Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch, sponsored by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here working hard on episode number 133. Don and Stan are in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio, and I'm calling in from home this week. Uh, We're getting ready to record episode number 133. We've got a really good show lined up for you where we've got our shout-out segment. We're going to talk about our city of the week. Uh, We still need player of the week nominations. We'll talk about that. We're going to continue our discussion of uh, our hitting disc and our equipment section. We have a good did you know, a really good listener question. And then in our leadoff topic, we're going to talk about a new phenomenon, something that's really taken off here in the last few years, which is all these different rankings and lists of players and teams. We're going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of that uh, whole program. Also had a coach who reached out to us and wanted to talk about how to choose the right national tournament for his travel team and some of the different things that uh, he needs to consider. And then we're going to finish up with our coaching tip of the week where we're going to talk about how coaches know they're always going to have critics, but the most important thing is that we uh, stick to our guns and keep doing what we're doing. So as we head into episode number 133, we want to talk about our sponsors. First off, we're going to talk about Cleat It Up. Cleat It Up is the communication tool that you need to use for all your team communication, whether it's within your team, across your organization. It's a great tool. It's a free app, and it's available at cleatitup.com. I also want to talk about Patreon. Patreon is our way to reach out to our listeners to ask them to support everything fast pitch and coach prep. It's important to us that uh, if you can, that you do support us. So if you go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch, the links there will explain to you all the different options and all the different rewards that you get for becoming a patron. So we've spoken about many times in the past, Coach Don and I love doing everything fast pitch. Uh, But there's a lot of expenses, a lot of things that go along with putting this together. And if you can help support us financially, that would be great. We have uh, three new patrons this week who I want to say thank you to Ron Biddinger, John Davis, and Chris Treptow. Guys, thanks for coming on board. We really do appreciate your support. And we're excited about uh, what uh, you're going to help us do with everything fast pitch and coach prep. Shout out is sponsored by Next Air. Nexair is a Memphis-based industrial gas, medical gas, research gas, welding supply, and safety PPE supplier. With strategically placed retail locations, sales branches, and distribution centers throughout the southeast, Nexair is never too far away. They maintain centralized product warehouses to serve you better and be more reliable. Through our services, you can receive the products you need when you need them. Our fleet of trucks will get you the gas you need when you need it. If you're interested in any NextAir product or service or just want to talk through your options, please get in touch. Our customer care team at 888-639-2474 will help you find the branch or outside sales rep in your area. Please reach out to NextAir. They'll take care of all your needs. So our city of the week, Don, is San Antonio, Texas. Nice, nice. I've been to San Antonio. Ever been there? I believe we've been through there, and I know we've recruited in that area at some point or another. Right, and it's a cool town. The uh, uh, NFCA convention was there several years ago, and while I was there, had the opportunity to go to the Alamo and, and check out you know, some of the local sights and sounds. Uh, it's a cool town. they got this really uh, nice waterway, uh, uh, downtown area, shops and restaurants. But it's a, it's, a, it's a great city, and obviously a lot of great softball being played there. As we uh, continually have this discussion about our city of the week. We're always asking our listeners to ask your friends to get involved and listen to everything Fast Pitch. And this week, San Antonio, Texas, you are our 
city that did the best job. We had our biggest jump in listenership there this week. So San Antonio, thank you very much. Our player of the week, Don, we need nominations, folks. Let's just get cut to the chase. We've had a pretty good run uh, where we've had a lot of good nominations, but now we're a couple weeks in a row where nobody has stepped forward to nominate a player. We know you know kids out there that are playing great on the field or doing great things in the community or in the classroom. So we need you to make some nominations for us. Give us some people to consider. Um, you can reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Send us those nominations, just a little bit about the player, a little bit about her story and, and why you would like to nominate her. And we would love to get some more nominations in. Uh, please make sure that you do that for us. Um, also want to talk about our hitting discs. Don and I have been talking about this for the last several weeks. Fast Pitch Prep is creating a training tool, a hitting disc that we're going to use as a tool to help our hitters. Um, it's something that we've been experimenting with and using. And so as a way to help us get some feedback and some information from our listeners, for the next three people that join us on Patreon, we're going to send out uh, sample discs. We've got some of the prototypes. And we're going to send those out to the next three people that join us on Patreon. We had uh, three people that uh, came on board last week, and uh, we're excited about that. But we've got some more of these prototype discs we'd like to get out there in the hands of some of our coaches and, and players so we can get some feedback. Don, I know uh, you're as excited about the discs as I am. No, I think those, uh, those are going to be a great product that I'm excited to find out uh, what kind of feedback we're going to get. I know that we've been using them for <laughs> quite a long time now, and They've been really durable, kind of exciting because they're different and new for all of our students to uh, get a chance to work with. I just can't wait. I want to get them out there now. We will be bringing them to market here pretty quickly. We're going to do a couple of promotions once we have them in hand and can start shipping to listeners. We're going to do some uh, special discounts and things like that for our Everything Fast Pitch listeners. We'll be explaining that in the next couple of weeks. As with everything else that's been going on in the year 2020, uh, there have been a few delays in getting the product in hand, but it looks like we're just a, a week or two away from actually being able to uh, start to actually sell the hitting discs, and, uh, and we're really excited about that. Uh, we're very happy to be gaining some knowledge and some feedback from people that are getting a chance to use them uh, out there in the real world. So, Don, did you know that UCLA has 12 NCAA Division I national championships and really has 13? 12 with really 13. That's a lot of wins right there, Coach Torrey. Right. Well, there, there's several programs that have been dominating the Division One world. You know, UCLA is clearly the leader in the clubhouse right now with the most national championships. And then Arizona comes in second. And then there's several other schools that have uh, a couple of national championships each. UCLA back in the uh, early days was uh, was one of the two really dominant programs. The one thing that wanted to just mention quickly, you know, when we say that they really have 13, uh, there was one year where there were some uh, NCAA sanctions against UCLA in a year that they had actually won the national championship and that national championship was vacated. Uh, but they've got 12 and obviously uh, recent history shows that they're back on they're top back. of the softball world. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. For a long time, like you said, they were either, it was either going to be UCLA or Arizona were going to win. And then it kind of got distributed around a bunch of other groups for a little while it looks like they're kind of back right up there on top so it's kind of fun to watch and see how that all works out right well and i think you know, there's a couple of conferences that really dominate division one softball you know the pac-12 is one the sec is the other big 12 with oklahoma is always a contender so there's you know a handful of schools you know 10 or 12 schools that i think go into every year 
really expecting to win the national championship. And uh, obviously UCLA is one of those. So did you know UCLA has 12 NCAA Division I national championships? Cool. So our listener question, Don, comes to us from Coach Rick. And Coach Rick's question is pretty simple and pretty much to the point. What's the worst thing a potential recruit has ever done that got you to drop them as a potential recruit for your program? Wow, I think that's something that people listen to the podcast. They're going to pick up on kind of our feelings on a lot of that type of thing. But when we go to the ballpark and we're watching kids act even away from the ball field, I think that uh, that, that gives us a sense of, of really what that particular person and their personality and, and the way they go about uh, carrying themselves, what they're really all about. When we watch a player that's either disrespectful or uncaring of teammates and, and people around them, I think that's probably the biggest indicator to me really pushes us away from recruiting that player as anything. Skills and things like that, obviously we, we look for potential and, and when we get a player that we can work with every day, the possibilities there is kind of what we're looking for. But if they can't interact and be a positive member, you know, in all those other parts, I think that's really troublesome. And that's going to be a big red flag for, for me and I think for many coaches. Right. Well, and Don, you hit the nail right on the head for me personally. Nothing thing is more kiss of death. Nothing would make me drop a recruit faster than seeing a player disrespect their own parents. This is something, unfortunately, I think for a lot of kids, you know, we just kind of have to realize college coaches get to pick the players that are going to be on their teams. And Don, you mentioned, you know, this uh, idea of if, if we get to choose the kids, you know, when I was a college coach, when you were a college coach, we were always thinking about chemistry and who's going to be easy to work with and who's going to be coachable and who's going to be the kind of player that we want to have representing our program. And unfortunately, in my opinion, is really pretty simple. If a player does not respect her own parents, I can't expect that she's going to respect me as a coach or she's going to respect what we've tried to build as a program. And the number one absolute kiss of death is disrespecting your own parents. Now, there's other things that different coaches are going to look at, but that's number one for me. You know, I think that, you know, for other coaches, you know, it might be bad performance in the classroom. You know, I think grades sure. are all, always going to be part of the equations. Uh, somebody who's a really talented player, but not a really dedicated student. I think that could be a kiss of death for some coaches. You know, I think lack of effort, you know, you know, kids that don't play hard, that don't appear to work hard. I think for other coaches, that's going to definitely be something that would make them drop a potential recruit. But I think you know, each coach, each college coach is going to have a different Hotspot, yeah, yeah a different, uh, a different uh, thing that really hits them as the absolute. Okay, I will not have that on my team. I will not have that player in my program. And so I think it's important for players and parents to kind of make sure that they're understanding that those the kinds of decisions get made and they can get made very quickly. You know, the story I tell all the time is sitting with uh, Coach Candrea at a tournament uh, game out in Colorado. I was there to watch a girl named Samantha Lovelady who ended up being a great player for me at Tennessee Tech. And he was there to watch a girl from a, a team from California. And the girl from California was a great player. I'm, I'm honestly confident saying, you know, one of the three or four best players in the country. In a split second, she was totally disrespectful to her parents. You know, treated her mom like a total jerk. And I saw Candrea get up, walk away, and I know he never went back. Obviously a talented enough player that he was there to watch her and obviously a talented enough player that he was very serious about recruiting. And just like that, you know, went from being you know, maybe a player who could have been playing on 
a team. And, and back then, you know, One we talked those. earlier about Arizona yep. and UCLA being the only two teams that could win a national championship. That was the height of that, where if you got recruited by Arizona or UCLA, you were probably playing for the national championship. And that player got X'd off his list just that quickly. Um, so, Rick, I hope that answers your question. You know, I think each coach is going to have some different hot spots, different things that really do set them off. For me, it's absolutely disrespecting your own parents. That's number one. So, Tori, I'm glad that, uh, that this kind of came up because I think all of these things are very controllable by our athlete. Can do all those things that you mentioned um, and do them all well and give themselves a chance to be very uh, desirable as a college recruit. And, you know, and I understand when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, there's going to be times when you think you know more than your parents do. That's just the How way the life works. works. Yeah. We did it when we were kids. And so it's not unrealistic to think that uh, kids would not go through stretches like that nowadays. But unfortunately, if you're showing that disrespect in public, if you're acting that way towards your parents out there where the world can see it, if you're trying to play college softball, there's a high likelihood that you're going to pay a consequence for that. And so we just want players to make sure that uh, that they understand that uh, you know this recruiting business is pretty cutthroat. You know, it's it's all about coaches trying to find the right players for their program. And if you do some of these things that we talked about in in answering Rick's question, uh, you might be shooting yourself in the foot. So Don, that's going to lead us into Paige's power play. Paige is rocking and rolling every week. Uh, I love listening to her. Uh, insights and the things that she's sharing with the the kids and, and listeners. So uh, here's this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. What's up, everyone? All right. So I've had a lot of girls telling me that their confidence is there one day and then it's out the door the, the next day and it's like up and down. It's just not consistent. So we want your confidence to be consistent. And I'm going to give you the answer right away. You have to work on your mind. You might be working on your game physically, you're getting your reps in, which is great. You should, don't like, don't stop doing that. Keep working really hard on your physical game. We just need to add a little bit of mindset work in the mix of things. And it's really not that hard, I promise. It's super easy. And I'm gonna give you a list of things that you can choose from that is gonna help you with your mental game and help you build that consistent confidence that you want. Um, but I did have a dad send me a message today actually and he said not sure exactly what you are saying or doing with blankety blank Susie Susie Q but please keep it up she was back to her old form yesterday pitched two gems and like you much appreciated and I was like I didn't do anything well I, I mean I, I gave her some tools right my response was yes I'm so excited um it's like it's all in there already okay she just i just needed to give her some tools to to work on and think about and i want you to know that you have confidence inside you like it's it's there we just need a few tools to grow it and make like make that confidence consistent okay so you might be doubting what i'm telling you right now and you're probably thinking like Page, uh, no, like my confidence is up and down. It's all over the place. It's non-existent. It's so bad. And you're like, it can't be that easy. 
And you probably also thought like, I'd do anything to feel confident and to be confident consistently. So let's get to it. Like let's, I'm gonna give you guys some things to work on and it's one thing, just pick one thing and do it really, really well. So I want you to choose about these things that I want you to, to look at and I want you to choose one thing and I want you to do it really, really consistently for like two weeks. Okay, and then you can choose another thing or you can add something else, but get really, really good at one thing and then you can add another thing. Um, and like, I'm talking about every single day, like be a rock star at this one thing. Okay, so we have write three affirmations down every single day. And an example of an affirmation is like that powerful, um, confident statement that you need. Um, so that could be something like, I am a game changer. Okay, and you're gonna write three of those every single day, all right? The, the next thing is you could visualize. So start practicing your visualization every day and you guys can all download my free visualization practice pack, package where I teach you how to visualize what it's all about and I give you some, um, some guided audio practices. And then another thing that you can do is add some deep breaths to your routine. So maybe that's your pregame routine or right before a big pressure moment, like taking some deep breaths, add that to your routine. You will be surprised what that will do for your, for your mindset and your confidence. Um, another thing that you can do is write down what you are grateful for. Starting out with an attitude of gratitude <laughs> is key. And when you're grateful for your opportunities, your confidence will grow. Um, another thing that you can do is write down what you learned in that day is you're probably going to have challenges or failures or things that you like things that problems that you have to get through every single day. We all go through something every single day. So just write down what you learned that day. And that's going to help you practice getting better at figuring out what is important from like learning the lessons from what happened in that day, whether that's at practice, game, school, home, whatever it is. Another thing that you can do is write down one thing that you love about yourself. Practicing some self-love, which is going to be super uncomfortable for some of you guys. Um, another thing is pray for what you need. Get comfortable asking for what you need, praying if that's something that um, feels good for you guys. Another one is give a compliment to someone. So give someone a compliment every single day. When you give and you share like and you shine light on other people, that builds you up too. It makes you feel good um, and helps grow that confidence. Another thing you can do is do something uncomfortable, which might be one of these things on the list. So get out of your comfort zone. Do something that's at, like that you wouldn't normally do. Reach out to somebody. Um, speak up at practice. Whatever it is, do something that's uncomfortable every single day and write down what you did. Uh, this is how we work on our mind. Okay, this is all of these things, all these things, I know they seem really small and little, but all these things are pieces to growing confidence. And I want you to do it every single day. Like, be the best at this. And let me, let me know how it goes. I can't wait to hear how things are going um, and how your confidence is gonna start to grow just by doing one of these things every single day. So keep on keeping on. And, oh, almost forgot. Did you know that... I have a wait list for the Confident Athlete. We start in January, which is gonna be here before we know it. Like Christmas is right around the corner, you guys. We, um, it, we are starting in January, the next group. This last group went by so fast, like the, the spots filled so fast. 
So make sure that you get on the wait list because you are going to get first priority to be in the next group um, that starts in January. And there are bonuses for anyone that it joins the wait list. So get on that wait list. All right, Don. So that's going to take us to our lead-off topic. Our lead-off topic is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite Sporting Goods is located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. The phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also reach the folks at Elite at Elite Sports Orders at yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, equipment, uh, reach out to the folks at Elite. They'll be happy to ship to you wherever you are. Uh, anywhere in the country. So our topic, Don, is these lists and rankings. It's all the rave now. I see it uh, every single day on Facebook. Every single day, somebody is you know so excited to announce that so-and-so on their team <laughs> was recognized by such-and-such such organization as being the whatever-whatever player in the country. No, I think that stuff's uh, really exciting and something for kids to work hard for and look forward to, but it's really hard to I guess, gauge where all of the kids do really lie and teams, you know? Right. I think that's interesting. First and foremost, you know, I understand why it's exciting. Obviously, you know, yeah. players like to be recognized. Families like to see their kids recognized. And it's obviously a pretty powerful enticement, pretty powerful hook to be able to, you know, go to school and tell your friends, hey, I was ranked nationally or, or to go to practice and tell your teammates, hey, I was ranked nationally. And all those things are really exciting, and I understand why they're popular, but I think the point that you started to raise there, Don, is one that's really worth us jumping into. I'm not going to expect that these things are ever going to disappear. I think that what's happened uh, with you know, some of the different sites, you know, Extra Inning and Fast Pitch Network and Flow Softball, are all trying to drive interest in the game of Fast Pitch Softball. They're all trying to come up with ways uh, to get people talking about the game and talking about players and spreading the gospel, so to speak, about what's going on out there in the softball world. And all that stuff is great. But I'm also a little bit more skeptical and a little bit more cynical, as obviously most of our listeners know at this point in time. And I'm always wondering, what's the motivation to create a list like this? Is it just because we're being good-hearted and good-natured and we want to make kids feel good? Or is there some other reason for it? The skeptical person in the crowd, and I think that, that these lists are as much a profit generator and as much a, a way to you know, drive subscriptions and to get people to sign up for the different services as much as it is anything else. Well, I think nowadays, too, there's so much information available that it's exciting for people to have places to go to for information to see where things stand, whether it's team or individual-wise. but just like you said, Tori, I think that, that it's commercialized a little bit. And I still think that many, if probably all of the teams and kids that are mentioned on are very deserving of that attention. And they do fall somewhere in that top group of kids that are excelling in the sport. But yeah, it's kind of interesting to watch and see how much of it is really commercialized. And I guess the, the first thing that I'm always wondering, you know, and again, you know, this the cynic in me, is how exactly we're creating these lists. Who exactly is the person or the group of people that are compiling these? And now I've sat in on a lot of different kinds of committees and things like that where players were selected for honors. I've been on all-conference calls where we've you know, sat around as college coaches and debated the strengths Evaluated. and weaknesses of players yeah. on our team. 
and players that we were nominating for all conference recognition. There you would have a group of coaches who were lobbying for their players, but were also aware of and had seen and played against and competed against everybody that we were talking about. If I was sitting on an you know, yeah. Ohio Valley Conference phone call and we were talking about who was going to be the conference player of the year, or who was going to be selected to be on the all-conference team, we all had absolute firsthand knowledge about that player, sure. what her abilities were, what her skills were. And obviously there was always some politicking. You know, I think, you know, it was interesting to always see how those discussions would go. But to me, that had a, a level of credibility because everybody knew those players. Everybody that was voting, everybody that had a say in who was selected had a say. And then I've also been on some of those same conference calls where we've added a second layer of people from the schools where now it's not just the coaches voting anymore. Now it's the coaches and the sports information department. And so already then I would already start to get skeptical because I would know that, you know, like our sports information person would basically vote. However, I voted because, you know, she or he knew that I had the best firsthand knowledge, knowledge about the players that we were talking about. But I also knew that there were other places where that didn't happen and where we would have sports information people that had seen just the home games. And, you know, so they would have really good knowledge about our players and a little bit of knowledge about half of the other schools because they would only see half the other schools play and that those people were also still voting. So as soon as we added that layer of distance from actually seeing the players, I got even more skeptical. And when I was with NFCA, there were a couple of years that I was on the Division II All-American Committee. You know, then it was similar. We would have a group of coaches that would get together and vote, but we were now three or four, six steps removed from Kevin Bacon game that people <laughs> would play, you know, where you're trying to think about Who if I know? know this person and this person knows that person and yada, yada, yada. Well, when we started getting into the All-American thing, it was you know, like the third or fourth degree of separation. I was now listening to a coach tell me about a player that I had never seen from that information supposed to vote. And that was, again, information coming from somebody that I knew I respected, that somebody that I knew was coached and had enough knowledge to hopefully you know, lobby honestly and effectively. But so to me, every time we get another layer removed from somebody who's actually seen a player play, these lists become more and more I'm just more and more skeptical about how representative they really are. So, Tori, you talked a little bit about our sports information directors and their statistic gather or statisticians, and they, they look at stats all the time. How much do you think that those stats should count in making some of these evaluations? Yeah, well, to me, that's one of the, the wild cards in this whole thing. And I think that, and again, I understand why a player is is excited to be recognized, but I'm also you know, trying to put this all into perspective for people because, you know, for every player who's excited about being recognized, there's 25 other kids that look at that list and go, wait, I'm better than she is. I'm as good a player as she is. And even within a certain team, you know, you could have one player that gets recognized and another player who doesn't. Using statistics, I think, is going to always be part of the discussion. But you and I both know that statistics are, you know, it's like opinions. Everybody's got them, but it doesn't mean that they always... It's, add up to the same thing. It's tough and to if, them and, if, and if I'm hitting 600 playing against a whole bunch of teams with kids, you know, let, let's say I'm an 18 and under player and I'm hitting 600 against a whole bunch of kids that are throwing 50 miles an hour, 
Does that mean I'm a, a more worthy player than another player from my from a, another team in my in my age group that plays nothing but top of the pyramid best teams in the country who's hitting 300 against you know all these players that are going to be big time division one pitchers? Right. The value of statistics to me is again something that it's kind of hard to put into perspective. What do right. those statistics really mean? You know, if somebody hit hit 15 home runs but they're playing on some little league field with 150 foot fences. Well, you know, yeah, she's still hitting home runs, but you know, so it, yeah. it's just hard to use that. I think as a way to really compare players without having some sort of baseline of knowledge about the level of play, the kinds of teams that uh, they're on where they're competing. And so I think it's, it's, and I, again, I don't want to sound like the guy who's trying to dump on these lists, but I, in some ways I'm just really, I uh, want to try to put it into perspective yeah. for people what I think about it and what I think they should maybe be thinking about it before everybody goes losing their mind about so-and-so was the you know 353rd best player in the country. Well, Torian, that goes back to your uh, original point about how can we compare kids from one side of the country to the other and who are the evaluators and how are they coordinating, you know, making these rankings. So I think that's, right. that's a great, great point to talk about. And to me, the, the question I have is, and this is something, again, that, you know, not knowing for sure how all the nuts and bolts of this stuff works. We play good softball here in the state of Georgia. I'm not trying to take anything away from the kids that are um, getting recognized, because I think your point earlier about how a lot of these are hardworking kids that are good players, that are talented players. You know, we've got some teams here in Georgia that are getting five, six, seven, eight kids all selected from one team all to this, you know, top 200, 300, 400, 500 list. Let's just do the math on it. If, if I'm coaching a team has got eight players that are amongst the top 500 players in the country, if I've got that roster, if I really have eight players that are uh, amongst the top 500 players in the country, I should never lose a game, ever. But Tori, if, if uh, one student is on there, then then you got to get all your teams on, all your kids from your team on there, don't you? Right. Well, and see, and, and that's where this whole thing has has really kind of lost me. Um, and again, you know, I, I don't want to diminish what these kids are doing because they are hardworking yeah. kids. They're good players. They they deserve some recognition. Recognition. Yeah. Um, but to be on a list that says that me and six of my teammates are all among, amongst the top 500 players in the country, I've got to wonder how we're putting that list together and how, how we're assembling the pool of kids that we're picking from. First off, you know, to say we've got a top 500 means we've obviously got to know something about a lot more than 500 players, correct? Absolutely. I love fast pitch softball, but how much time do you think it would spend to take a list of 5,000 players and pare it down to 500 worthy kids. Yeah, maybe they could share how the, how it's uh, accumulated and, and evaluated. Right. And, and, and maybe it's only picking from players that are nominated, which I think is probably part of what's going on. But so then my question is, well, how are players getting nominated? You know, way back when, when I first started coaching at the high school level, I was involved in, in, in creating the Wisconsin Fast Pitch Softball Coaches Association. You know, several of us sat in a hotel conference room and we talked about how to create the organization and the one thing that we came up with that we knew would drive people to our organization was if we tied the awards program to being a member of the organization 
So if you wanted a player to be recognized as an all-state member, an all-state team member, you had to be part of the organization. You know, it was kind of the hook that we would use to get people to join the, the, the organization was if you join the organization, you can nominate your players. And the only way they can be recognized as all state is if you're a member of the organization. Right. So carrying that forward, the first thought I always have when I see these lists is, so does somebody have to be part of the group? Does somebody have to be part of this organization to nominate a player? Do you have to be a subscriber to the service? Do you have to be a member of the club, so to speak? Well, right. if that's the case, then it's clearly not a representative thing. It wasn't when we did the Wisconsin Coaches Association at the beginning, it was not truly representative of the absolute best players because there were some coaches that wouldn't join. Sure. And so then there would be some players from their teams that certainly deserved recognition, that certainly were strong players that did get on the lists early on. Now, what ended up happening was exactly what we thought would happen is if your daughter's a great shortstop and you see the list gets published that the All-State team was announced and your daughter didn't get recognized as shortstop, your first phone call is going to be to the coach. Well, coach, why isn't my daughter on this list? Right. And then the coach has to say, well, I didn't want to invest the $25 in joining the organization. So because I didn't pay 25 bucks, I couldn't nominate your daughter. And so what ends up happening then is exactly what we knew would happen is that coach then got you know pressured into joining the organization. Ultimately, two or three years later, we've got a, a really strong coaches association that that has you know almost every high school represented because you know every coach wanted to be in a position where they could nominate their players for the all state team. Makes sense. So we carry yeah. So we carry that conversation forward. My guess is you know that we're looking at players have to be nominated by a coach, and does the coach have to be a member of the club to do so? No, I think that's a, a really good point, and. I think part of it is, uh, you know, to not let it make you crazy if you're not a part of those lists right now, but uh, definitely be proud and excited that you've been uh, highlighted if you are. But but the flip side of it is, if somebody told you, Don, you're the uh, 13th best catcher in America when you were 15, or you're the uh, 231st best player in your graduating class when you were 15. I've got some expectations now, right? Right. And so some of it can be positive and some of it can be negative. I can go easy. I'm, I'm in. Right, right. And, that, and that's kind of what I, why I want us to talk about this a little bit today. If, if I get recognized, that's a beautiful thing. You know, I can be excited about it. But does that mean that now I'm going to get fat and sassy and sit home and, and be um, <laughs> you know, all, all excited about the fact that, hey, I was you know, named to, to the whatever, whatever team? Instead of or a, am I going to keep dry, grinding because I'm still gigantically motivated? Instead, am I going to work harder because I was listed at number 353 this year and I want to prove that I'm better? So then I work three times harder to, and I really do improve, but next 25 more teams join the club. And now I'm down to number 643 because now there really are 5,000 players to choose from instead of, you know, 550. I don't have an answer. I don't have a solution, except I think, Don, you hit a a really key point. You know, we shouldn't be losing our minds one way or the other. If we're recognized that, you know, be happy about it. If we're not recognized, don't lose any sleep over it. But the truly good players, Tori, are going to take that uh, encouragement and that excitement and train harder. Those are going to be the ones that are going to get to play when they get to these big schools. Those are going to be the ones that uh, you know reach their true potential and uh, you know that that are never satisfied. They're always hungry for what's next. 
those are going to be the kids that are really going to uh, rise to the top and, and make it happen. So yeah, making those lists doesn't mean that you sit by the phone and wait for the call. That means you better dig in and, and prove that you're there for a reason. So yeah. Right. Um, that's why I wanted us to kind of delve into this today, because I think it's just important that you know, everybody keeps this stuff in perspective. And definitely, I hear a lot of hand wringing. I hear an awful lot of talk about, well, so-and-so is not, not better than, you know, than such and such. And that that coach is just a better you know, lobbyer or better uh, a negotiator or, or you know, whatever. And, and, and again, I, I think without knowing all the ins and outs about how these decisions are made, you know, I think it's real easy to be either skeptical or cynical. You know, as, as everybody knows, I'm, I'm the, the cynic in the group. And I'm just having a hard time wrapping my head around what it really means to tell somebody that they're the 353rd best player in the country. That would be fun for us to get to chat with some of those folks, right? Yeah, so I think that might be the uh, next piece <laughs> of this puzzle is to see if we can't get uh, one of the list compilers to come on board with us and, and explain all the ins and outs. I understand if it is commercial driven, if it's, if it's a, a way to get people to come to your site. I get it. We did it with our coaches association a long time ago in the state of Wisconsin because it's a good business model. It works. They lists can, they can reach out to your drive yeah. These lists drive subscriptions because either you're going to subscribe to make sure that your kid can get nominated, or you're going to subscribe because you want to find out who the kids on the list were. And if you don't have a player that got nominated, then you go back to practice the next day and say, "Well, you know, you're a better shortstop than so and so, and she's the 13th best shortstop in her cl in this class." And again, I you know, like I, we've said a bunch of times, these kids all are good players, but I'm just not sure that we can have a way of saying that somebody really is the 300th best player. Just like I don't think we can always say who the best player is. I think when you get to the really top of the food chain, you know, those kids that are you know playing for the you know PGF National Championship and the you know USA Softball National Championship at the end of the summer, kids on those teams are clearly going to be candidates for that top of the food chain kind of recognition. But when we start to get down into the hundreds, I'm just uh, a little bit skeptical. So hopefully that gives everybody some stuff to think about looking at this as a source of pride, but let's keep it all in perspective. Don, cleanup topic. Cleanup topic had one of uh, our listeners uh, reached out to me this week and his team is relatively new to travel ball. They are pretty competitive. Uh, they, they've been winning more than they've been losing. And he's trying to figure out what should guide his decision about what kind of national championship event, what kind of big event they should be aiming for at the end of the season. So I thought that'd be uh, an interesting thing for us to talk about because I think that there are so many different places to play. You know, there's so many different national championships and World Series and, and different events that offer a wide variety of different kinds of experiences. It'd be good for us to talk about it a little bit and see if we can't give some guidance and kind of give some perspective to the whole thing. Tori, that's really cool because that kind of ties into all the rankings you were just talking about. And, you know, if we were able to take all those teams in those rankings and get them all together, we could kind of figure out really whether or not those are uh, legitimate numbers. And, right. and a good well there has been uh, there has been some talk and this is something that uh, at some point in time I hope really does happen but there's been some talk about trying to put together like an ultimate national championship so at the end of the summer season when everybody's done with their quote unquote nationals let's do it whatever right? team wins the PGF 18 and under and whatever team wins the U triple SA 18 and under 
whatever team wins the triple crown 18 and under whatever team wins the you know all the different sanctions yeah. all the different organizations that they all send their national championship team to one site and we play one tournament to determine the true absolute Tori, I think ES, I think ESPN should pay for it as well and televise well, I think ESPN it. ESPN would. I right? think that that's something that that you would see on ESPN or or CBS Sports. Go to Disney. Um, go to somewhere and yeah, yeah. Because you know, obviously, cool? everybody likes content. But one of the things that is really important for us to keep into perspective is when we talk about all these different groups and all these different sanctions. The type of tournament and the quality of uh, of competition and what exactly is going on at each of them is gigantically different. You know, we are talking about as wide a range as you could possibly imagine. And so for our listener, the first thing I wanted to, us to talk about as we're thinking about helping him make this decision is right. what for his team would make a national championship event, an end of the season event. A success and what exactly are they looking for is it are we looking for the very best competition if that's what we're looking for and that's what's going to make a, a great end of the year event for us then that's one really important piece of the puzzle are we looking for a fun location are we looking to you know go to a beach or go to a resort or go to um, you know someplace that you know besides the softball there's going to be lots of other fun stuff to do are we looking for an event that we feel we've got a legitimate chance to win. Some want it close to home because budget's a concern, Tori. Right. Yeah. And so there's there's all these different things. And so for our coaches that are trying to make this first level of this decision, start out looking at your team, look at where you're at in your development as a team, and try to answer those kinds of questions. And, and that was part of the discussion that, that we had the other day. For where his team is at, he wants to go someplace where he knows his team will be competitive, competitive but he's right. not looking for someplace where it's just going to be some sort of walk through walk in the park. They're going to roll over teams. And so he's trying to find, you know, that level of competition that's going to be a challenge, but he also doesn't want to go someplace and get his head handed to him game after game. So Tori, with that, with that thought, are there ways for coaches to find out who else will be attending some of these and would the tournament director be able to, give us an insight as to really what level they're expecting that, that event to be? Well, I think that uh, you can ask those questions, but unfortunately, I'm not sure that every different sanctioning group really knows Commits the answer enough. to those yeah. questions. Yeah, Because I think one of the things we have to always remember, you know, for these people running these big events at the end of the summer, the more teams they get, the better it is for them. You know, the right. more profit they're going to make the greater their income is going to be from it. You might call a tournament director and ask, you know, well, what's the level of competition? And they might, you know, basically try to figure out what the right answer is that you want to hear and give you that answer no matter what. So I think probably a, a good thing to do is you can historically look back at what kinds of teams have been participating in an event, you know, in the past and kind of use that as a guide. You know, I think you can, as teams qualify for different levels of, events in some of these different organizations they start to have like a, a list of who the qualified teams are and who's expected to participate i think you can use that information you know and i think a big part for a lot of coaches is just asking questions talking to other teams reaching you know, out you know, to reaching out to other coaches people. yeah that may have been and, there and, prior mm -hmm. right and, and that was you know the advice i gave uh, john the other day when he and i were talking is that you know there's teams that he's playing with now that are a little bit more established 
that have been going you know for a few years longer than his team has start to talk to those people if it's a team that you're really competitive with that you're having you know really good games with when you play them you know get to know that coach talk to him find out you know well what kind of national championship did you go to how did y'all do you know what was the competition like gain as much knowledge and as much information as you possibly can to educate yourself on what some of the options are as you look across the different organizations the different sanctions you know there's a lot of different things going on at different places you know and i think that all the kids want to know that they're going someplace that they have a legitimate chance to compete they want to be able to you know to you know puff their chest out a little bit and and feel good about the fact that we qualified to go to an event if there's a, a chance for them to make some memories whether they're just softball memories or some other memories that are not necessarily on the field, I think that's an important thing to consider too. So, um, so what makes a good event is going to be different for Everybody. every team. And, and, and every sanction is going to offer different things. You know, there's some now that I'm seeing that are advertising as much about the location and all the fun stuff that you can do as they are about the quality of the competition. You know, and then there's PGF and USSA and USA Softball that are, you know, very much talking about, you know, the, the best competition, the best teams in the country, come and play with us and you'll be a, a true national champion. To me, Tori, too, it was easy, you know, long ago, it was easy if you were the ASA national champion at 18, 16, 14, 18 gold, you'd really accomplish something. And that was kind of the thing to look for and to work for. But now there's so many. And I think your point about, uh, you know, what your, you know, what your end goal is, whether it's to go out on a winning note or to be able to dig deep through a tournament and and feel like that was a successful season or if it is more about uh you know the location and the memories and and just being a family event i think i think that plays a big part in your choices so right and i think it's it's important too for the coaches that are not quite sure where they fit in to try to be realistic if you're playing a lot of local tournaments and having a lot of success um, it's just kind of human nature. You start to think, you know, wow, we must be really good. You know, we must be a really strong team. You know, maybe before you commit to going to PGF or going to USA Nationals or the, you know, the, the Gold Nationals or, or whatever it might be, regionally, locally, venture into a tournament that you know is going to test your team a little bit. Try to, you know, test the waters a little bit. It's a, you know, if I'm coaching here in Atlanta, you know, for me to go to Spartanburg or, Orlando or something like that is a reasonable trip to, you know, to test our team and see where we might fit in versus not knowing for sure and just making up our minds, hey, we're going to go to California and, and jump into PGF, right? And again, you know, the, the, the argument about what's the best tournament is never going to be resolved because there's always reasons why all the best teams never end up in one place. PGF is a great national championship. If you win the PGF, you have accomplished a lot. But there are some teams that for financial reasons or political reasons or whatever don't go to California to play in the PGF. If you win the, you know, the USA Gold National Championship, you have accomplished. It's an amazing accomplishment. That's a great national championship. Uh, but there's some teams from California, from PGF, that aren't coming to that tournament. So you know, there, there's no way of saying one is absolutely the top of the food chain. But I think that there's, you know, that top three or four or five groups that definitely if you win one of those national championships, you can you can point to your team and point to the season that you had and say, hey, we're one of the best teams in the country. 
need to get ESPN on board here. Let's get it going. Ab- absolutely. And and again, there's nothing wrong for a team that chooses to go to a quote unquote World Series or a beach event or a tournament that is you know a national championship labeled event that is fun and sightseeing and and excursion based with with some softball thrown in. That's okay too for teams that are in that neighborhood. But we just want to make sure that everybody knows what's going on uh, because if you're a pretty good team and you spend you know ten twelve thousand dollars as a team to fly out to california and you get your butt kicked four straight games and you come home i think everybody's going to be aggravated with that we just want to make sure that nobody ventures off into the wilderness without being prepared for it cool so don that leads us into our coaching tip of the week our coaching tip of the week is really geared towards something i've read three or four different posts on facebook this week and i just wanted us to you know kind of you know, have a little heart-to-heart talk with some of our coaching friends. And the reality of it is, no matter what team you coach, no matter what level you coach at, you're always going to have critics. There's always somebody, a parent of one of your players, part's uh, easy. grandparent of yeah. one of your players, uncles, aunts, friends, whatever it is, who is critical of the job you're doing, critical of the decisions that you're making. It's just part of the job. No, that part's easy, right, Tori? That uh, sitting back and critiquing others yeah, yeah. But if, well if, if they got the, good the line ideas. i use all the time and this is the one that i always think is kind of humorous when you think about it because a lot of these quote-unquote critics they start off their criticism with something like well i'm not the coach but if i was we'd be doing <laughs> things different around here here's the clipboard <laughs> and my thought always is well if you have so many great ideas you know there's no reason why you can't be coaching a team the requirements it takes to get certified to coach, the things that it takes for uh, somebody to get involved with coaching is really pretty minimal. You don't have to be any kind of super coaching tree history of, of greatness to, to get a chance to coach. And for people that have all these great ideas, I would just love for them to spend a little bit of time you know, in the trenches trying to do some of this stuff before they want to be so critical. The moral to the story is for our coaching friends is opinions are like, Belly buttons. Yeah, and uh, everybody's got one. And it doesn't mean that they're all valid, doesn't mean that they all um, are worth paying attention to. I've always had respect for people who are willing to coach, whether it's somebody who's coaching at the absolute highest level. If we're talking about Bill Belichick or Mike Krzyzewski or Gino Oriema, really well-paid and they uh, you know have an amazing life, an amazing career, or it's the lowest-level Little League dad who is going to coach eight games or 10 games or 12 games this year, because if he doesn't do it, his daughter doesn't get to play. Everybody on that list from the, you know, the lowest level recreational league coach that really is just doing it for the the sake of doing it to help the kids out all the way up to the highest level of professional coach. They all deserve our respect because they're all taking on a responsibility and a job that is not as easy as people want to make it out to be. No, I think that's a great point. They need to be complimented and commended more than they are. Right. So to kind of wrap that idea up, coaches, don't spend any time worrying about what your critics have to say. I I read something the other day, basically sums it up. It's like, don't spend any time worrying about the opinion of somebody you wouldn't ask for advice. Donald, just your or my relationship as, as an example. If you had something critical to say to me, you know, I would respect it a thousand percent because 
you're somebody that I would pick up the phone and, so, and call and say, hey, Don, what do you think about this idea? I've got this thought. What do you think? I'd be looking for your advice. Sure. So because I respect you enough to want your advice, I respect you enough to value your criticism. If I thought you were some sort of crazy lunatic that I didn't have any respect for and you were sitting in the stands, you know, bad-mouthing me as a coach or, or questioning every decision I made while I was coaching your kid's team, I wouldn't spend one second worrying about it. Coaches, if you're getting criticized, if it's not somebody who you respect enough to ask for their advice, just water off the duck's back. Just let it go. Move on. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't let that lone voice of criticism get you distracted or get you too upset. I was going to say, there's a lot of folks out there that are appreciating all your efforts. Right. And, and what I'm hoping is for our listeners that are really happy with their coaches, that you know, really look you know, for the, the parents and, and players that wake up every day going, oh man, I'm so lucky. Coach you know, so-and-so is really a good guy or really a good girl or woman, really does a great job. You know, coaching our team. I really appreciate the fact that she spends so much time with us. A little thank you, a little add a baby, a little pat on the back is a really valuable thing. I spent a, you know, a lot of my life getting paid to coach, and nothing ever had more meaning to me than when somebody would just on, off the cuff say, you know, thanks for doing that. Thanks for you know the time you spent. Thanks for helping me with whatever it was that I would help a player with. And that to me had so much more value than ever getting a paycheck. That's awesome. Yep. And so for our coaches, no matter what level you're coaching at, keep that in perspective. It's time for you to understand that you're doing something that's really valuable, really important. Don't let the naysayers drag you down. Coach with all your heart. Do everything that you're doing with a a smile on your face and and happy thoughts and uh, keep doing what you're doing because we need coaches. We need people out there that are willing to invest their time in this game. Unfortunately, we know you're always going to have critics, but just let it go. So, Don, anything else that uh, uh, strikes your fancy here for episode number 133? No, I thought that was a great session, Tori. And again, I'm excited when we get a chance to inspire thought and, and kind of give our opinion on some things so that we can keep this great game going. Absolutely. That's the whole idea. So, listeners, we need nominations for Player of the Week. Please contact us. Let us know who those kids are that deserve our recognition. We love seeing things more exciting to me than... Uh, uh, seeing a kid with one of our Player of the Week t-shirts out there at the softball field. I just had that happen a couple weeks ago. was a player that uh, somebody else had nominated, somebody that I didn't even know was out there, was so proud of the fact that they were the Fast Pitch Pro Player of the Week. Very cool. They were out there wearing their t-shirt at, at a tournament and uh, was really excited to see that. Uh, the other thing that we uh, want your help with is, is ideas and suggestions. Um, obviously, you know, so much of what we talk about is driven by conversations or emails or whatever that we have with listeners. So keep sending us those ideas. Um, it's fun for us to have a chance to talk about the stuff that you want us to talk about, because I think it's just a great way to make sure that we're staying connected and doing the things that we want to do to help you have a better understanding of what's going on with the game. Please check out Cleat It Up. That's our primary sponsor. And make sure you check out our Patreon page, patreon.com. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash everything fast pitch we need patrons the next three patrons that sign up are going to get some of our prototype hitting discs uh, that we're going to send out to you to give uh, a test run to and hopefully get some feedback uh, so we can start to build some uh, recommendations and uh, some reviews uh, as we go to market and get ready to sell the uh, fast pitch prep training tool the fast pitch prep hitting disc so please check us out at fastpitchprep.com 
And make sure you send those recommendations, nominations to everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Don, I cut you off. What did you want to say? No, I was just going to say we need to make sure everybody's listening to Coach Prep all the time, too. Absolutely. So that's going to wrap up episode number 133 for Coach Don and Stan in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio. And for me, long distance, we want to say thanks very much for listening to episode number 133. And we'll talk to you again next week. 